0: Thank you ladies. What do you think we're talking about today? Cats. <laughs> today we are going to talk about value. Thank you all for being here. Welcome again. Welcome to you who are online. If you didn't get a bulletin or you didn't get a, uh, a sermon outline, raise your hands. We've printed some extra ones so that we can get one to you. You need a sermon outline this morning if you like to take notes. Anyone need one? Don't be shy because I like to see him running all over the place. If you don't need one, let's just pretend. I kind of like that. <laughs> all right. Seems like everybody's got what they need. So we're going to talk about value this morning. What, what is your value? It probably depends on who you ask, right? <laughs> how, how much you would be valued. I believe that that everybody wants to feel valued, don't you? No, you really don't? Who would like to feel valued? Okay, so look at the people close you. If you're married and they don't have their hand raised, you're off the hook. I mean, I think that most people want to be valued. And it's wonderful to be in a relationship where you feel valued where you know that you're you're valued. And that doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It could be parents, children, brother, sister, friend. We want to feel valued in all of our relationships. Now, if you're a guest with us or uh, someone who's watching online that hasn't watched prior to this, let me catch you up. We are in a series called Life Hacks. A life hack is a behavior or a trait, an attitude, something that that you do to make life for you and for those around you a little bit better. And the Bible is filled with life hacks, especially in the New Testament. We call them the one another's. And there's a whole mass of them in the letters that, that Mostly, that Paul wrote to to the churches and to the early Christians, and really they were instruction manuals. These letters are instruction manuals on how to live with one another. So, as you go through, there's a whole bunch of one another.s We've we've kind of whittled them down to about nine. There they are up on the no, they're not. There they are up on the screen. Encourage one another, accept one another, admonish one another. Today is value one another, serve, bear, pray, forgive, and love one another. So that's that's where we're going. As we go down the road. Now, if you are new, you haven't seen any of these, you can go to our website, you can go to our app, you can go to Facebook, our YouTube channel, download them, watch them online, and kind of catch yourself up. The inspiration for this series comes from a book called How Happiness Happens by Max Lucado. And it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. I kind of took his idea and I tweaked it and made it into life hacks because I thought that had a snazzy kind of sound to it. Now, let me give you a couple of life hacks. Some things that we've already talked about. Listen to understand rather than respond. That's a little life hack that'll help make your life better. Here's another. It's better to put a smaller amount of money away for your retirement early than a large amount later. Get on it now. That's a little life hack for you. Sometimes, It's better to say nothing, even if you're right. That's a good life hack for you. Let me give you today's life hack right up front. And I think I put it in your notes. If you want to be valued, be someone who values others. If you want to be valued, be someone who values others. People who value people are valuable people and will be valued. It's a mouthful, but it's true. People who value people are valuable people and will be valued. So if you want to be in a relationship in which you feel and are valued, you must nurture value into that relationship. Valuable relationships don't just happen. They're nurtured. You've got to work at them. Let me show you what I mean. Today, we've got a wonderful short passage of Scripture. A little nugget of gold. The Bible's filled with these nuggets of gold. And this is one of these. If you made this scripture, this scripture, your mantra for life, you'd be doing well. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So let's dive into this a little bit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Well, <laughs> that is pretty much diametrically opposed to the worldview. Selfish ambition is the way to the top, right? You hear it all the time. You've got to take care of number one. If you don't take care of you, who's going to take care of you? Take care of number one, self-promotion. And vanity is a national treasure, We even have a magazine called Vanity Fair, right? I mean, in Hollywood, the music industry, sports. I mean, you you see those guys doing what they get paid for in sports. They make a touchdown or they score a goal and they point to their name. I did it. It was me. No matter about the 16 linebackers and all those. I did it. It was me. And uh, vanity, it's just a way of life here. In the Western world, really, not just in the USA, but it's, it's, you know, vanity and and, um, self-promotion is a little bit, it can sneak into your life without you even realizing that it's in there, especially in ministry starts out, you know, your heart's in the right place, you want to serve God, you want to do something for God, and, and you start out in the right place. And then somewhere along the line, without even noticing it, your motive for doing what you do begins to change. And then all of a sudden, you be concerned about who's noticing? Who's seeing all the hard work that I do? Who's, who's giving me credit for everything I do? And then you start looking at other people and discrediting what they're doing because maybe they're getting some attention and you're not getting attention and, and what I'm doing is just as important as what they're doing. Maybe it's more important than what they're doing. And all of a sudden you've got a sour look on your face because you're not getting the, the kudos that, that you want. And your motive for serving has kind of changed, which is sad. Why do they get noticed and I don't get noticed? That's it, I'm not doing this anymore. I'll show them. And you forget who you're serving. Selfish ambition and vanity are insidious. Now, I was going to put an example in here, and then the more I thought about it, I thought, I'm just such a humble person. and This stuff really doesn't apply to me. I don't like to be in the limelight or anything, so I couldn't think of a good example. So, I'm sorry. The antidote. Rather, in humility... What is humility? Humility is the ability to see yourself in a right perspective. I love the way Romans 12 puts this. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Here's the problem. Who do we typically measure ourselves against? People around us, right? And we look for somebody who we think is not doing as well as we are so that we can measure ourselves against them. At least I'm not. I'm much better than they are. We may not say it, but that, that, that's the attitude that we have. That's the standard. If you want to measure yourself, and this is what Paul is saying, look to Christ. He's the standard by which we should be measuring ourselves because each and every one of us has been transformed and we're in the process of becoming the likeness of Christ, right? So you want to see where you're at? You want to measure yourself? Look in the mirror and see how much like Christ you are. Ask some of your friends, am I there yet? I'm so much like Jesus. Just ask me. I'll tell you. That's the standard. Now, on the flip side of that, humility doesn't mean that you've got to put yourself down. If you're good at something, you should celebrate the fact that you're good at it. You should strive with all of your heart to be the best at it. At the same time, you've got to remember that that ability was given to you by God, for God, for his purpose. And you celebrate what God has given you and what you're able to do by God, for God, rather than, man, I am just so wonderful. What a great speaker I am. I am the best in the world. No. Don't brag about it. Celebrate and be thankful about it. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. So here's our one another. In humility, value others above the, above yourself. So I want to camp on this one. Value is kind of an interesting concept. It's very subjective, right? What, what is something, you know, what, what's the value of this clicker? Right now, it has high value for me, and maybe not so much for you. But right now, this is valuable to me, because I'm using it right now, and I need it right now, so it, its value is high. I did a little research. The average wedding band, wedding ring, wedding band, weighs around 5 grams. This week I went online and looked at the price of gold. You could buy five grams of 24 karat gold, that's pure gold, for around $330. A gold bar, polished up, nice, imprinted. Average wedding band is about $1,500. Both of them have to be manufactured, both of them are polished. One's $1,500, one's $330. Now, maybe there's a little more work in in making a wedding band, but not that much more work. The main difference between the cost of a bar of gold weighing five grams, and I don't have one, must be small if that's five grams, and and a wedding band weighing five grams is the intrinsic value that we place on it, right? Let me explain. (laughs) On my wedding day, After we had finished our vows, if I had dropped a little nugget of gold in Sandra's hand, a five gram little slither of gold, I I don't think it would have gone over very well. Because she was looking for a ring to be put on her finger. Because that's what you do. The the ring is the symbol of the vows. And the love that, that prompted those vows to one another. It has more value than the monetary value. So this is my wedding band. It's 40-something years old. What, what's it worth? If I was to auction it off here right now, I doubt I'd get much more than about 50 bucks for it, to be honest with you. It doesn't mean anything to anyone here except for my wife, right? But if I was to auction it to you, or if I were to take your wedding ring and auction it off, or take it to the pawn shop, wherever, I'd be happy to get 50 bucks for it. I doubt very much that I would get $1,500. I don't think I'd get $330. It's got monetary value, but for me, the value is way beyond money. The weird thing about this ring is, it must have got in the wash because it shrunk. (laughs) Used to fit nicely, but uh, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. (laughs) If I were to lose this, wedding band, I would be sad, but not because i would lost five grams of gold, but because I've lost this wedding band that my wife slipped on my finger 42 years ago when she made her vows to me. This, this wedding band has more value to me than the monetary value. It's what it represents to me. The value of this wedding band is a reflection of the value of the relationship that it represents. We made those vows and we promised to one another that we would love each other and that we would stick together and these rings are a reminder of that. And, hey, here's an interesting little fact though. Women's wedding bands cost about three times the amount of men's wedding bands. But there's less gold in a woman's wedding band than there is in a man's wedding band. No, that's, a, that, that's an engagement ring. has diamonds. <laughs> not for him. <laughs> Again, value is intrinsic, right? It, it, it's kind of weird. If, if, I were to, if you were to offer me $1,500 for this, I wouldn't take it. If you were to offer me $15,000 for this, I wouldn't take it. It's not for sale. I heard that. (laughs) You're done. Somebody's selling wedding rings over here. (laughs) It's not for sale. It's too valuable to me. So let's talk about valuing others. Now that we've got this idea of what value is above ourselves. Step one is to understand our value in God's eyes. Our relationship with God and others can be represented carpet's not finished by the way this they got here and ran out of carpet so the rest is yet to be done so this ladder i hope this little illustration works my wife is thinking right now he's not is he he is our relationship to god And to others can be represented by this ladder. This is the ladder of value. And typically when we think about value, the more we do for people, the more valuable they are, right? And then when you think about our relationship with God, I'm down here. This is how we think. I'm down here, others in the middle, God up there, right? To get closer to God, well, maybe if I I tithe, if I read my Bible, if I do my uh, help little old ladies cross the road, I'm not going any higher. (laughs) If I do all of these things, I'll get closer to God. That's typically what we think. Now, that's not how the the value, the ladder of value works. Now here's the key to unlocking value and understanding your value and how valuable others are. You've got to begin to see yourself through God's eyes. What did Jesus say? Love God, love others as you love yourself. Now there's two ways we typically look at our relationship with God. Some people think of themselves as a low-down, dirty, rotten sinner. I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God. It's just horrible. Other people see themselves as a chosen, loved child of God. Now, that can happen for two numerous reasons. If you've got something going on in your life, if you're getting into things that you know you shouldn't be getting into, oftentimes there's guilt. And you feel like a low-down, dirty, rotten sinner. Could be your background, could be the way that you were raised. Maybe you were put down all the time and you just, in life in general, you feel like a low-down, rotten person. Could have been your church history. If you're in one of those churches where these, you're dirty sinners, you got to come to Jesus. And if you were raised with that, that might be the way that you you have your relationship with God. On the flip side of that, you might be one of those fortunate people that just see yourselves as favoured. God loves me. He cares for me. He wants a relationship with me. And, that, and that's good. Now, here's the thing. With both of those perspectives. You are a low-down, dirty, rotten <laughs> sinner. <laughs> and you are favored and loved by God. Neither of those two things has anything to do with your value. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are and the price paid for us. That's what gives us our value. It's the value that Jesus ascribes to us. So this wedding ring, I could cover it with dog poop. It'd still be the same value. I could shine it up nice and buff it up and and it would still be the same value. The value doesn't change, nor does the purity change. Purity doesn't come from our behavior. Purity comes from the righteousness that we receive from Jesus. He is the one that makes us righteous. Our condition has nothing to do with our value, good or bad. If our value were determined by behavior, then every time you got angry, your value would be reduced. Every little white lie that you told, even if it was for a good reason, your value would be reduced. Every time you broke the law, Jesus said, obey the laws of the land. Every time you're driving in your car and you went one mile an hour over the speed limit, or you didn't signal when you turned right, or you didn't come to a complete stop at that stop sign, or you knew that that light was going to turn red, but if you stop, the guy behind you is going to rearrange you, so you better keep going, even though you could stop. Every time you did one of those little things, your value would be reduced. But God values you above and beyond your behavior. So back to this ladder. It's not where you're at On the ladder that matters. It's that you have a ladder that matters. The ladder is Jesus. He is the bridge between you and God. Your value is marked by what was paid for you. And I've shared this many times because I think about it a lot. God gave his son. Sacrificed his son for you. That's how valuable you are. You know, I think about my kids. I've shared this, like I say, many times. I think about my kids. I would die for my kids. I would die for my grandchildren. I might die for your kids. (laughs) But I wouldn't give my son for your kids. That's a step too far. That's what Jesus did. That's your value. Now, when you start seeing yourself in that light, how valuable are you? It elevates you, doesn't it? You see, there is a ladder, and getting closer to God does require that we do some work. You know, anybody that says to you, oh, you've got grace, therefore, you know, you're good to go, is, is not telling you the truth. Because Jesus Christ died for you. God gave his son for you. He expects something in return for that. He expects your faithfulness. He expects you to live your life in accordance to to trust him. You see, we get to choose where we live on the ladder. We can stay down here in the mud if we want to. It's our choice. Or we can choose to live our lives in a manner that, that draws us closer and closer to God. And the closer you get to God, the more you know the value that God has for you, the better you feel. You see, when you live down here, two things are going on. Three things are going on. Number one, you're devaluing yourself. Number two, you're devaluing those around you. And number three, and the most important one, you're devaluing what Jesus has done for you. And you're devaluing God. You live where you want. We get to choose that. And let's tell the truth. We like to live in the mud sometimes. Feels good. We like to wallow down there. But the problem with living in the mud is it doesn't bring any satisfaction. In fact, it only brings need. And you have to stay down there because you keep scratching that itch and the itch just gets worse and worse and worse. If you want true satisfaction, you start living your life according to God's plans and and He elevates you. He lifts you up. You get closer to Him. You start feeling better. You start feeling better about yourself and you start feeling better about the people around you. You're not comparing yourself anymore to them. You've got Jesus. You've got love. You've got value. And it starts to ooze out of you. Which brings us to the last part of this. Sometimes I look at my notes and I say, no, I can't say that. See Hector going no don't, and I know my wife is going no don't. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When we begin to live at a higher level, we want others around us to live at a higher level too. Can I um, borrow somebody, John? Consider others. What does it say? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, which is easier to do? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling close to God. I want my friend to know God. I'm going to lift him up here. Now, what's most likely going to happen? He's going to pull me down, isn't he? He's going to pull me down. If I love him enough that I want him to get close to Jesus, what's the best way? Push him up the ladder. <laughs> I got to get below him. The view's not good. <laughs> you come on down. But that's intrinsically what this... Thank you, sir. What this scripture is saying about looking to the interest of others above your own. I want you to get closer to Jesus. And I know what this relationship is like. And that's not about bullying and pushing people into the kingdom. There's a leading people into the kingdom. But I want to put you first. You see, when you live up here, you come to a realization that valuing others above ourselves is not about putting ourselves down. It's about elevating them up. And that's a big difference. If we put them first, their interests first, we elevate the value of the relationship, which increases our value as well. We both go up because it's reciprocal. You know, you've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people, right? Loved people, loved people. Valued people, value people. It comes back to you. But it works in both directions. Just as adding value by putting somebody else first elevates the relationship, devaluing others drives the relationship down. So I gave you some devaluers. Can we go to the next slide, please? Value stealers. These are things that I I just, my wife added some for me. I asked her the question this morning, what what steals value? And she gave me some I didn't have up there. And you know, when you ask your wife, she's going to go right to the things that you do. (laughs) It's just true. That's the way it is. So how do we devalue? Value stealer. Taking people for granted. That devalues people. You hear that all the time. I don't think they even know I'm here. don't seem to care about me. They take me for granted. They just expect this to be done. It's like the magic table. Anyone know about the magic table? We have a magic table in our house. It doesn't matter what you put on the table. In the morning, it's gone. You can, I mean, I've tested it. I've really tried to mess it up. In the morning, it's gone. We have magic dishes. I put them on the counter, all dirty. I come back in the morning, they're all clean. It's magic. It doesn't work for Sandra. I think it's favored me. Taking someone for granted is a value stealer. Putting our need above their need is a value stealer. When everything that we do is about me, steals value from you and the relationship. And it devalues both of us. Lying is a huge value stealer. It's in so many people's relationship, you know. Somebody's always doing something, spending money where they shouldn't spend money, or doing stupid things that they shouldn't be doing. And then they lie to cover up because that's selfish, right? Right? That's all about me covering me so I don't have to face the consequences of my bad behavior. That devalues the relationship. That devalues the person in the relationship. It devalues you. Valuing them only for what they can do for you. Hurts. It devalues people. I asked my wife. I said, what, what, what devalues? She said, sarcasm. I thought it was a spiritual gift. And put-downs, again, spiritual gift. There are so many ways we devalue one another, aren't there? I mean, quite honestly, we're good at it. I could list many of them. And maybe you're in a a relationship and you don't feel valued. Maybe you're in a relationship and and you've not really added value. So I want to give you some practical steps to add value. Value number one, really simple say thank you and make it a habit. It doesn't have to be cheesy. Pastor Mike said I'm set to say thank you to you, but just say thank you. Sometimes we, we, we just forget to say thank you. The magic table that gets cleared every night, somebody's clearing the magic table, right? It doesn't work in our house because she leaves it there till I do it. <laughs> But say thank you, and mean it, and make a habit of it. Serve without being asked. This is a hard one. So we live in a, we're boomers, and we've got boomer mentality. I apologize to the millennials and the Gen Xers. We have roles that are quite defined. And if I do something that I consider is Sandra's role, I want credit. I want to be told what a good boy I am. (laughs) And typically I don't do it unless she asks me to do it. Serve without being asked. Find a way to serve the person. And just do it. And make a habit of it. Number three, tell the truth. Do it in love. Be honest. Be open. If you've been messing up, you add value to the relationship by bringing that out in the open and dealing with the consequences of it. It might be painful to go through, but as long as you're lying, you're devaluing. But when you start telling the truth, you add value. You say to that person, the consequences of of what I've done, you are more important to me than those consequences. I care about you. Number four, pray for them. And if if the door is open to it, pray with them. That adds value to a person. What can I pray for you? How can we pray for one another? Let's pray together about the things that are going on. Let's pray together about what's going on in your life. Let's pray together about what's going on in my life. It adds value to the other person. It adds value to the relationship. And number five, get help if you need it. Put your pride aside and get help. If you're in a relationship where you're being devalued, maybe you haven't had the conversations that you need to have. Last week's message, go get it. Was last week admonish? Yes, it was. Get help. Maybe you need professional help. Maybe you need some counseling. Maybe you just need to get in a Christian community and and build some friends. Look for friends who are living the life that you want to live. If your marriage is on the rock, find some good friends, good, strong, mature Christians who have the kind of marriage that you want and go talk to them. We're really struggling. We could do with your help. I remember Sandra and I, we had some friends back up in Canada. She would meet the wife on a regular basis. I would meet the husband on a regular basis. Sometimes we'd all meet together. And God worked some wonderful things in that. Not because we're so great, but they looked at us and thought, you guys seem to be pretty solid. We want what you've got. Here's what's going on in our lives. We made it a point to take time. We added value to their relationship. They added value to their relationship. When we begin to value others in the, in the manner that Christ values us, in a sacrificial manner, when we begin to look to the interests of others, not looking at our own interests, we elevate the value of the whole relationship. And everybody goes up in value. Let me close with this. I love the way God works. So the other day, Friday, Sandra said to me, just out of the blue, she didn't know what I was preaching on. Out of the blue, she, she says, I'm so glad you're my husband. And then she shared with me some reasons why she's glad that I'm her husband. And I felt valued. She didn't know what I was preaching on. That's a God thing, I think. How do you think I responded? Tell me more. No. <laughs> I felt good. I felt genuinely valued because she wasn't just saying it to be cheesy or because she needed something. She was just sharing something. I'm just so glad you're my husband. So here's my challenge for you this week. And I want you to pray about this. Think about someone who is of value to you. And give them a call or send them a text or message them. Use whatever medium you use and say, I'm so glad you're my and share a couple of reasons why you're so glad that they are your best friend, daughter, son, brother, sister, mom, dad, wife. And be sincere and real about it. Now, I know that we've had a few of these in this series. And there's a chance that you might get this response. Did Pastor Mike tell you to say that? And it's perfectly fine to say, he gave me the idea, but you were the person that came to mind. And I want to tell you how much I value you, how much you mean to me. Now, let's get real with this. If you've been in the habit of devaluing, that may not be received very well. Sometimes we think if we just pull the parachute that everything's going to be okay and the other person's going to be, oh, good, I'm valued now. If you've constantly been putting someone down or hurting someone or devaluing someone, and all of a sudden you say to them, I just want to tell you how much you're valued to me, it might not go over well. You might get your feelings hurt. Too bad. So sad. You've got to put on your big person pants and reread the scripture. Put aside selfish ambition and vain conceit. That means sacrificing your need to feel good about making someone feel good. It's not about how I feel by telling you that I value you, but sometimes it is. Look, not to your own interest, but to their interest. That means you must be more concerned about how they feel than how you feel. If they don't receive it with, oh, thank you so much. If there's pain and hurt there and it, it falls flat, well, maybe that opens a door of opportunity for a conversation to be had. Man. Instead of pouting and sulking, doesn't oh, no matter what I do, for you, it's not good enough. Well, if, it does, if everything you do is not good enough, you need to ask a question. Why is that? Well, what's going on in this relationship that, that what I do isn't being received? What's the real damage here? And how do we work through it? How do we get through it? But you do that when they're ready. You stick at it. Let people know, not just by words, but through your actions and your attitude that they are of value. Value to you, not just because of what they do for you, but because of who they are. And let them know that they are valued in God's eyes. You know, each week I'm giving you two, three, or four practical steps. So here's what I'm hoping. These things build on one another. I'm hoping you're not just taking notes and then you go home and and, and forget it. And, and, you know, I give a challenge each week. Well, that's this week's challenge. That's done. I encouraged. Told you I love you on the day that we got married. Do I need to say it again? These are things, these are stuff. This is all to go in your relational toolbox. But you open the toolbox and you use these things on a regular basis. And do you know what will happen? You'll make somebody happy. And you'll make yourself happy. That's what we want, isn't it? Amen? Amen. All right. I'll let you off the hook there then. Hector. He left. He's gone to get pizza. Okay. Let me do the announcements then. No, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I thank you for this ladder. I thank you that you loved us so much. That when our sin separated us from you and we had no way of getting to you, you provided the way. Jesus Christ, each and every one of us who has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, has access to you, Father. And the strange thing that we can't get our heads around is it really doesn't matter how we behave. It matters, but it doesn't change the fact that you love us, that you value us, that you care for us. And our purity doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus who is in us. And Father, if there's one person in here today that that has never taken that step to, to ask Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, they don't have a ladder right now. Or they're not sure if they've got a ladder. Father, I pray that you would just prompt them right now. And if that's you, it begins with a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you. I believe you died for me. I need your forgiveness. I need a way back to to God. Please forgive me and come into my life and change me. And Father, bring to mind those people that we may have devalued and open a door of opportunity, Father, that we can bring value into those relationships that may be hurt. And Father, I pray for, I know this is going to strike a chord with a lot of people. I pray you would open the door to good conversations. And that we would see relationships healed and strengthened. And made whole in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See, I put this ring on my little finger. And now we're married again. <laughs> Announcements. What have we got? Ta-da. Next slide. I need the next slide. It's got the announcements on it. I've got that one. Thank you. We have the Women's Ministry event, February 25th, 26th. If you get more than 10 people, is this correct, Kelly? No, that deadline has passed. That deadline has passed? You can still come. So see you. Did the ticket price change? A little bit? A lot? Do we advertise it here? 86, still a deal. Two days, Friday night and Saturday night, and it's a life-changing deal, right? Go with it, girl. I'm feeding this to you. So, see Kelly. You can also go to Lakeway Women's Ministry at gmail.com and email her. Men's retreat coming up April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Rise up, guys! If you haven't signed up, you can go to our website. Um, there's a QR code in there. You can scan the code. This code is right there. Let's see if that works. And up front. So register there. Guys, let me tell you something. We haven't had a men's retreat for a couple of years because of something was going on. If you haven't been, you need to come. I, I remember a time, <laughs> my wife would pretty much dragged me out of the door to go to the men's retreat. Because every time I went to the men's retreat, I would come back different. I would come back changed. And there's just something about taking a time out and going somewhere with another group of men and seeking Jesus Christ, and he shows up. So if you want to experience life change, come to this retreat. April 1st, 2nd, 3rd. What else we got going on? Welcome lunch, March 6th. So one thing that we used to do, if you're a guest or a visitor or you've been coming, sometime started in the last two years, we normally have a regular pastor welcome lunch. Typically like every three months, everybody that's new in the last three months, we feed you over in the fellowship hall there and we just have a get to know you time. No big agenda. Well, it's been two years. (laughs) So if you are new, in the last two years, you are welcome to come to the Pastor Welcome Lunch. March 6th, 1215, confirm with Sandra Bishop at the back there. You need to confirm. We've sent out some invitations, but sometimes two years, maybe you've been here for one year and 11 months, and we haven't forgotten you. It just we value you, and we want you at the lunch. So come and let Sandra know. We need to know how many are coming because we want to feed you. And, uh, and we'll just talk about the church. And for some of you, you know all about the church. But come and have lunch anyway; it's fun. What else? Anything else? No, that's it. Offering—you can make, you can give online. Um, you can give right there in that little bucket. There are envelopes in the back of your chair. You can put your offering in there. Put it there. You can mail it in. We'll take your money. However you want to get it to us. But just, it's not about us taking your money. It's about being faithful with what God has given us. And doing what God has called us to do. And God blesses that. And then if you're a guest, there's a a communication card in the seat somewhere near you. Or if you've changed your address or your email or your phone number or something, fill out one of these and drop it in as you go. If you're a guest, let us know that you're here. We had three or four of them filled out last week. And... um, just like to know who's here. And one last one, there's a prayer request card. If you need prayer, fill out a card. On that card, there's a little box, three boxes, private request. If they see that, it comes straight to me. Nobody else has it. I would like others to pray for me. It goes to the prayer team. We have a team that prays. If you would like me to call, just check off call. All right? I think that's everything. How are we doing? 1208. There's no football games or anything. It's all over, isn't it? Is anything happening today? Every day. Yeah. It's not like this NFL stuff. Every day. Please stand. He's going to stop. Praise God. Thank you all for coming. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for each person that you brought here this morning. I thank you for those who are watching online. Father, pour out your blessings upon us, please. Bless us in such a manner that as we go from here... We can be a blessing to everybody that we meet. And Father, if, if we don't really know our value, would we, I ask your favor that you would just reach down sometime today and touch each and every life that, that, that something would happen that they would just know how much you love them, how much you value them, so that we may pass that on? And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, "Amen. Nope. OK, good. Seven years old.